Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Hey everybody, this new series that we're coming into has got me so excited. Before I jump into it, I need to do something, okay? Here's what I need you to do. Today, we are going to end our service with communion. And so that means that if you're not prepared right now, in this first part of while I'm talking, why don't you go get prepared? If you're on a phone, take your phone with you. If you're on a laptop and you feel comfortable, walk it through with you. Maybe if there's someone else in the room, you can send them to go get something. But here's what I want you to do. Get some bread or a cracker. You can go gluten-free. You can go gluten, whatever you want to do. Get some, some grape juice or some wine or something to signify the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've never taken communion before, by the end of this service, it's going to make sense to you. So just go get those things ready right now. And if you have, you know that in this time, it's kind of a unique thing. We haven't been able to share moments like this as much as we would like to. And so today, we're really excited to end the service this way uh, all together with our whole church family. This is so exciting, guys. Our entire church family, which by the way, you know, I don't know if we've said it enough, but you need to hear this from me. We have every intention and all excitement about returning to three in-person locations in the city of Vancouver. I know we're saying Vancouver and Toronto, but I just want you to know, we still are, are making every, every plan and have every expectation that we will be returning to all of our locations in due time as, uh, as the health situation in our province allows us to do so, and as we continue to grow in momentum and strength. But we're also so excited, it's a couple weeks in now, that uh, we've got Vivid Toronto coming online as well. Thank you for joining us today. It's so special being together, but we're looking forward to it. You need to hear it from my mouth, is that there is every intention that we will be launching in-person gatherings in Toronto as well when health and safety measures allow us to do so. In the meantime, we're making no excuses. In the meantime, we're not, we're not going to say church is, is canceled or we, we just can't do it. We are doing church like we've always been doing. We're almost on a year now. And I want to commend you as, as people of God. You have done so incredibly well in just determining to say, I won't let myself shrink back in this season. Remember that first week of lockdown, I, I, I was preaching on a cell phone because we couldn't figure out any sort of other technology. And I think I was preaching on Instagram Live. And there was a message out of Jeremiah chapter 29 about in this season, we will not shrink back. We will grow. And, and Vivid, you're really doing that. And, and when I say Vivid, I mean corporately, but also the people who make this church so precious. You are doing that. You're growing, growing deeper, growing stronger, growing in your gifts, growing in the grace that God has upon your life. And are also, we're also seeing a growth numerically as well, reaching more and more people. So thank you so much. We love you. Right now in the chat, why don't you let us know where you're watching from? I know there would be some people from any of our, our present locations in Vancouver. There'd be some people from our newest location in Toronto, and there's people scattered all over the country and really the world who are joining us. So let us know in the chat where you're watching from. All right, here we go. Into this, uh, this not just this message, but this series. Ready? This, this sermon series over the next five weeks, very simply, is entitled this. You heard me. Come on, if you're sitting with someone, say to the person in the room, say, you heard me. If you're not sitting with someone, put it in the chat, say, you heard me. It's that statement that you make after you've made a statement worth repeating. 
It's like a provocative thing has been said, a thought-provoking thought has been expressed, a new idea has been shared. And when people are looking at you just a little bit odd, you're like, yeah, you heard me. I don't even need to repeat myself. You heard me correctly. You heard me right. Over these next five weeks, we're going to look at five different times that the Apostle Paul essentially says, you heard me. He, he actually prefaces his statements. He says, the thing I'm about to say, it's a good saying. The thing I'm about to say, you should get your highlighter out and just highlight it. I think in this way, Paul's almost expressing things the way that, uh, that Spanish people express excitement. They put an exclamation mark, you know, the little upside down exclamation mark. I don't know if it has a specific name, but they put it at the beginning of the sentence. And it's almost like, get ready. What I'm saying is going to be so exciting. Paul says, this saying I'm about to say, this phrase I'm about to say, this quotation, you're going to want to remember it. If it was in the Twitter era, he'd be saying, you should tweet that. And uh, for all of us, he's saying, yeah, you heard me. You heard me. The thing I'm saying, you might find it provocative. You might find it pointed. You might find it a little bit bold. You might find it overly vivid, but you heard me. You heard me. And today, our, our message is entitled simply, The Worst. The Worst. Have you ever used that saying? The Worst. We use it so flippantly that uh, we, we at times have kind of robbed it of all its meaning. We're like, oh man, it's raining outside. The worst. Well, I mean, there are th worse things. Obviously, volcanic eruptions that were destroying our city would be worse than rain, but I guess rain's the worst. Or, you know, the, the food that you're waiting for at curbside pickup comes just a little bit late and you're like, oh, I had to wait for this. The worst. And it's this interesting way that we make connections with one another around our misery. What is it about misery that likes company? And so we, we share our own frustration, our own heartbreak. And it's almost encouraging when we hear someone back saying, oh, I feel you, the worst. That's the worst. Well, here in this first passage, this first quote that Paul makes, he makes this statement ultimately the worst. Why don't we look at it together, okay? Look at the book of 1 Timothy, if you will. 1 Timothy, right in chapter 1. Now, each of these next five weeks will either be in 1 Timothy, in 2 Timothy, or in Titus. These three books are what are referred to as the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters. Paul, the pastor, is writing to Timothy, the pastor, and Titus, the pastor. He's writing to these young leaders who he mentors and who he pours into, and he is speaking specifically to the leadership dynamics that they're working in and the cities that they serve. He's speaking to some of the issues in the churches that they serve, and he's speaking to their character as young leaders. And five different times in these three short letters, he says, what I'm about to say is a trustworthy saying that's worthy of full acceptance. And this is the first one. Okay, ready? First Timothy chapter 1. Let's start at verse 12. I want to give us kind of a running start today. And you certainly will notice when we hit that saying, because Paul basically pauses as if it were an upside down exclamation mark in Spanish. And he goes, get ready, get ready, get ready. And so I'll do the same. But I want us to get the context in which this is spoken. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength and has considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, 
I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Can we just take that in for a moment? Here's Paul speaking to Timothy, this young man that he mentors. And he goes, hey, Timothy, I just want you to know how grateful I am for Jesus. Like before we get into the details of everything, I just want you to know how grateful I am to Jesus. And you could see Timothy, maybe a younger man saying, well, Paul, you're pretty awesome too. He's like, no, 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 no. Think of what Jesus has done for me. He gave me strength. He goes, Timothy, he considered me to be trustworthy. You will note with me, Vivid, that he doesn't say God considered me to be perfect. He doesn't say God considered me to be smart. He doesn't say God considered me to be gifted. He says God has seen me to be trustworthy. Another word would be faithful. He's saying God has noted the faithfulness in my life. And in, in noting that, he, he gave me strength. He saw faithfulness. And then he's appointed me to serve. Now, one of our, our cultural values at Vivid is that we say there's nothing greater. There is nothing greater than serving. And the longer you're part of the church, you're going to hear it more and more and more. There's nothing greater than serving. Paul is, is speaking that right now. He goes, Timothy, the best thing I could praise God for is he saw something in me that was trustworthy. Something in me. And because he trusts me, he lets me serve. Because he trusts me, he lets me do the thing that I long to do, and that's just to serve other people. Not only that I, I do it just because I want to, but God's actually appointed me. He's pointed me in that direction and said, you got this. I wonder today if before we even get to this, this saying, if we could just accept in our heart that what God is looking for in us is not perfection, it's not giftedness, it's not intelligence, although you might say, hey, I'm three for three on those things. No, no, what God is looking for in our lives is faithfulness. And no matter where you're starting from, you can begin to develop a track record of faithfulness by simply living up to what you've already attained and doing the things that God has already revealed to you to do. There's someone watching right now, you're so frustrated because you say, I don't know the big thing that God has for my life. Well, guess what? Every big thing just starts with a series of little things. Begin to be faithful in the little and watch what God will appoint you to. And I promise you that what he appoints you to will never be greater than serving. The greatest thing to do in God's kingdom is to serve. So Timothy uh, is, is right away recognizing Paul has established, I'm just a servant. I'm so grateful. God saw me strong enough. He gave me strength. He saw me trustworthy enough. And then he gave me this opportunity to serve, this opportunity to minister. And he says this, I was ignorant, I was a blasphemer, I was violent. He's speaking of his own past. Right now you might be watching and say, well, guess what? I also have a past. You sound a lot like Paul to me. God has seen past your past. He's looking past your past and he's pouring out his love on your life. He says, not only did God give me grace, but he also gave me faith and he also gave me love. That's the context into which he's speaking. Paul being really honest and vulnerable. He goes, Timothy, I'm only a servant. And I'm only a servant because I was trustworthy. God didn't even pick me because I was the best. He didn't pick me because I was the smartest. He didn't pick me because I was the most gifted. He just picked me because I was faithful. Someone right now, God's choosing you. He's picking you. He is looking past your past 
and he's choosing you for an incredible future. Now Paul says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Are you ready? He's highlighting it. He's saying, what I'm about to say is the core of what I'm trying to say. Vivid, what I'm about to say right now is actually the core of what I'm trying to say today. He says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's the saying. That's the quote right there. And it's essentially like Paul after that, he goes, yeah, you heard me. Now, Timothy might be listening. He's like, oh, Paul, come on, take it easy, man. You're not the worst. And Paul's like, yeah, you heard me. Timothy might be going, Paul, why are you focused on all these negative things about yourself? Paul's like, hey, Timothy, you heard me. I said what I said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners for whom I am the worst. Now, now catch this. This word worst, it's the Greek word protos, which means the first. Paul is saying not only I was the first to be bad. He's saying if you were to rank all of the bad people that have ever lived, I would be on top of the list. I would be the most wanted on that list. And he doesn't go any further into the detail, but if you were to look in the book of Acts, you'd see that Paul spent his life, his early part of his life, before he encountered Jesus, persecuting, blaspheming, and even seeking out to kill Christians for their faith in Jesus. Paul's saying, I've got to be honest with you, Timothy. I'm the worst. Like my past story is really bad. It's such a funny thing because sometimes I think in church, we, we look around and we make the, the mistake of assuming that nobody else has a bad past like we do. That's a mistake. Or maybe even worse, we look around and we assume that everyone else has a dark past that isn't somehow worse than ours. Also a mistake. Paul says, I don't want to play the comparison game, but if we did, I would probably win because I'm actually the worst. Have you ever been in that conversation? So I was like, oh, the worst. You're like, no, 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 no actually the worst. It's like you're emphasizing just how bad this situation is. Oh, I was walking and then it was raining and then my feet got wet. Oh, the worst. No, 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 no. Actually the worst. Paul's saying that. He goes like, literally, Timothy, I was the worst. If you were to rank me, protos, I'm on the top of that list. Paul says this, Jesus Christ entered the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And then it says this, for this reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, again, he uses that word protos. He goes, again, just so you know, God did something for me first because I'm the worst. And now he did this thing in me first because I'm the worst. So that in me, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Man, Paul's good. Oh, I love this. Paul, Paul is saying, Timothy, I, I believe this. Now, this is just my, my speculation based on everything else that Paul says to Timothy in this letter. I really believe that Timothy was struggling with a, a sense that he was underqualified. 
It's in his letters to Timothy that Paul is speaking about anxiety. It's in his letters to Timothy that Paul is saying, God hasn't given you that fear, Timothy. It's in his letters to Timothy. He's like, hey, Tim, stop letting people look down on you because you're young. Just step up. It's in these, these, these uh, uh, letters to Timothy that he's going, hey, Timothy, you just need to commit yourself to speaking the word of God with boldness. It's in these letters that Paul is going, hey, Timothy, when you're speaking to younger men, do it boldly. When you're speaking to older men, do it with, with, with honor. But don't, don't be intimidated by them. Step up. You got this. The whole of the letters are encouraging Timothy in his confidence. And Paul begins by saying this incredible, trustworthy saying, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now I wonder if we could today, I want to make three very simple points. Number one, your failure does not disqualify you from the grace of God. Now someone you're going, that's super obvious. But for someone else watching right now, if you let that really penetrate your heart, it would change everything about your confident stance right now. Your failure doesn't disqualify you from the grace of God. You might be able to pull out a laundry list of all the mistakes you've made. So could Paul. You, you might have a, have a list that, that feels very personal, very intimate, very broken. You might have even been led to believe at some point that you should be ashamed of your past, even though the Bible from start to finish is really uh, redemptive, that, that God turns all things for good and he makes the broken things beautiful. But your failure does not disqualify you from God's grace. It doesn't in any way. In fact, if anything, the fact that you've failed is actually highlighting that you are exactly the person that Jesus Christ came to the world for. For people just like you. For people just like me. For people just like Paul. For the broken and the worst and the least and the last and the lost. Jesus Christ came to the earth for people like us. Your failure doesn't disqualify you. Now, I think it's so important that we don't stop using the word sin. Paul says, Jesus came to the earth for sinners. I think for fear of, of uh, ostracizing people or offending people, we, we sometimes try to put euphemisms on, on words like sin. But the Bible is really clear. Jesus Christ came for sinners. Now, what does sin mean? Sin means simply to miss the mark. It means to fail. And it might be that you sinned because you tried hard but still, still missed. It might be that you sinned because you didn't care and so you were aiming at a different target altogether. But the, the end uh, definition is that sin is simply missing the mark. Your failures, every time you've missed the mark, you have not been disqualified from the grace of God. I want you to get that deep in your heart today. Even when we share communion in a few moments, you need to know that you are qualified if you've accepted the grace of God. You can walk boldly into the presence of God. Second thing I want you to take note of today, and if you're taking notes, you could jot this down, that, that your, your failure doesn't disqualify you from the grace of God. But, but your fakeness will distance you from the grace of God. Let me explain what I mean. So for some of us, because we don't like to face our failures, we try to repurpose them and repackage them and, and, and represent them in such a way that it wasn't a failure anyway. It's funny, sometimes I, I talk to people and, and uh, I, I suppose because I'm a pastor, they have this sense where they want to kind of unburden themselves a little bit and maybe get some validation that the way they're living is, 
is not too, too bad. And so conversations often go something like this, like, oh man, I'm the worst. I'm like, oh, I, you're probably not the worst. That, that position belongs to Paul and I think I'm a close second. So, so oh no, you know, I just, I've been making these mistakes. And then this really interesting thing happens. In the midst of pointing out their own flaws, they're like, but you know, everyone makes them, right? I'm not that bad. I like, I'm just normal. It's just kind of average life. I guess I shouldn't be feeling so bad. And there's this part of me, I'm like, hey, I'll just sit back here. You let me know when you finished having the conversation with yourself. Because your conversation started with, I'm missing the mark. And now it's turning into this weird concoction, the turning of the prism where you're like, I guess now that I think about it, I'm not really that bad. Why not simply accept and embrace the fact that we're failures? We, we've fallen short. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your failure will not disqualify you from the grace of God, but your fakeness will certainly distance you from his grace. There's something so real and authentic about Paul as he runs towards his failure and he's not trying to hide them in any way. He goes, oh yeah, no, I'm not just a sinner. Guys, I'm the worst. If you want to go there, I, I was persecuting people, I was killing people, I was trying to get them to blaspheme, like, and I knew better. I should know better. I, I, I studied the scriptures my whole life and I missed the mark. Your failures won't disqualify you from the grace of God, but your fakeness will distance you from it. What if we just got crazy, authentically real about, about the stories of our past? Or, or really, if we want to really up the intensity of this authenticity. What if we got real about the things we're still failing in right now? About the things we still struggle with right now, the, the areas that we're falling short. Could it be possible that the grace of God really is sufficient? Come on, that, that's, that's a rhetorical question. It's really possible. Could it be possible that you and I are missing out on living in the fullness of the grace of God because we're simply trying to perpetuate this false claim that I'm not that bad. Isn't comparison such a deceptive tool? <sighs> comparison, leaving us to look around the world around us and find someone weaker, find someone less than, find someone more broken, so we somehow feel good about ourselves? Why not just be real and say, oh no, I have completely failed in many ways but I'm the person Jesus came for. I'm the one he came to save. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners for whom I am the worst. Look what Paul says, he goes this, he came to save me and just because God's grace is always above and beyond what we would ask for, imagine, hope for, or even dream of, we would feel so embarrassed to speak or to ask God for something that was even close to the measure of his grace. He says this, but. For that very reason, God showed mercy to me, and I'm the worst, so that Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for all those who would believe. Your failure doesn't disqualify you from God's grace. Your fakeness, however, will distance you from it. So let's get real. But then you need to understand that the fulfillment of God's grace in your life is also that it is proclaimed and displayed to those around you. Your failure doesn't disqualify you. Your fakeness, however, will distance you, but the fullness of God's grace in your life will act as a display 
for the world around you. God is using people like me and people like you to show off how powerful his grace is, to show off just how patient he is. Right now, I know there's someone, you're just getting wrecked in your spirit and your heart right now. You're like, this is it. God really can use a broken, messed up person like me because he's using me as a display for his patience. Oh, come on. I hope we get this in our heart. This is a great saying. This is a great quote. Jesus came for people like us. He didn't come to seek out the healthy. He didn't come to seek out the righteous. He didn't even come to seek out the people who are trying super hard. He came for the least and the last and the lonely and the broken and the lost and the worst. Nothing disqualifies you from the grace of God. Certainly not your failure. Don't let your fakeness get in between you and the grace of God. Don't let it distance you. Instead, the fullness of his grace working through your life is a display to the world around you. Vivid, we will continue to believe that we are called to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. What is the light of his life in our, li- in our lives? It's not God's spotlight pointing out our perfections. It's the spotlight on our life that goes, oh, I'm broken and I'm imperfect. And yet somehow in me, God is displaying his patience. And then Paul ends this way. And so I'm going to end this way. He, he, he breaks into some praise. Check this out. He goes, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul breaks into a spontaneous moment of praise. You see, he has such an understanding of what he had received in the grace of God that he just can't help himself, but praise begins to bubble up to the surface. For some this morning, you turned on this link and worship began and you were so there. You were like, oh my goodness, I'm just, I'm there. For some, this is your moment. You're about to worship. You're in this moment right now. You're like, whoa, if this is true, that my failures have not disqualified me, and it's only fakeness that would distance me, I want to get really real before a God whose fullness wants to display his grace in my life for all to see. And so he goes to the king. He's immortal. He's eternal. He's the only one. And this praise begins to bubble up. I hope right now, wherever you're watching this, praise is just beginning to rise in your heart. We're about to share communion. And then after communion, we're going to just sing a moment, a a refrain of worship as we respond. I hope that praise is bubbling up on the inside of you. And for some, you need to hear this, that the more you know about God, the easier it is to worship God. The more you grow in your understanding of who God is, just the more quickly you can find yourself swept up in his grace. I have been been serving Jesus for the vast majority of my life. And even in my best intentions, I feel like I can so often relate to Paul and go, I'm just the worst. I knew better and I still failed. I should have known better and I wasn't being cautious. I I should have been more alert and I wasn't. So often I've felt that temptation to embrace fakeness and try to compare and say, well, I'm not that bad. But I'm telling you, the more I receive the fullness of his grace, going, I'm completely broken, but God is making me beautiful. The more that that patience is displayed in my life, I just can't help but praise the King, immortal, eternal, invisible, the only God. Be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. 
For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.